The following audio is from Christian Heritage Church. More information about Christian Heritage Church is available at chctoday.com. Take your Bibles as you're standing. Turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 7. CG, I'm just reading verse 4. If you'll just put verse 4 on the screen for me. We've been in this passage for uh, the last three weeks. I promise this is the last Sunday in Exodus chapter 7. We're going to move on. I promise. But we got to look at verse 4 today because we haven't got there yet. It tells us that God always favors his people. Read it with me. Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. This is God speaking to Moses. But I'll have my way against Egypt. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what's going on in this world. We serve a king who is still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We serve a God who is still in charge and in authority. And I've got news for you. He will have the last word. He said it to Moses, I'll have my way against Egypt. And bring my soldiers, and bring my soldiers. I want you to hear that. And bring my soldiers. Listen, these folks weren't soldiers. They'd been slaves for 69 years. They'd never picked up a sword. They didn't know how to hold a shield. They'd never been in a battle. But God saw something in them because he put it in them. Somebody in this room needs to hear that this morning. God sees something in you because he put it in you. He said it. Read it one more time. Bring out my soldiers and my people, the Israelites from Egypt, by mighty acts of judgment. Bow your heads with me. Father, I pray this morning that you would rise up reckless, fearless men and women of God. Men and women of God who would not cower in the face of culture, but who would stand firm and stand fast. Men and women of God who would dare to believe you as we have never believed you before. Men and women of God who will be ignited by a passion that comes only from Jesus Christ. And even though we may not see what you put in us, bring it out of us today. Let us get a glimpse of what you've created us for and destined us for. And God, I pray for a day of new miracles. I'm tired of talking about old miracles. I'm tired of explaining old miracles. God, it's a day for new miracles. For the power of God to fall in this place. Heal the sick. Set the bound free. Save the lost. Do your work in this place. And God, give me words of power. Give me words of conviction that lives may be changed today. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Jim Elliott, who some of you know who he is just by hearing his name, others don't. He was martyred in the jungles of Ecuador in 1955, trying to reach an unreached people group. He said these words, forgive us for being ordinary while we claim to know such an extraordinary God. Well, I read that again this week, and that just kind of drove right through my spirit. God, we claim that you're all that. Then why don't we see you do all that you've declared you can do? Folks, I've come to tell you it's not his problem. It's usually you and me. So I've come this morning to stir you up. I've come today to challenge your faith. I've come to tell you that God sees something in you that maybe nobody else sees, but he knows it's there. And today is the day to rise up in faith and say, God, if you saw the children of Israel's soldiers when they were nothing more than slaves, then whatever you see in me, I'm going to step into. I'm going to do, I'm going to become, I'm going to be what you're calling me to be. God sees us differently 
then everyone else sees us. Can you say amen and thank you, Lord, for that? I'm glad that he sees me differently than others see me. When God saw the Israelites still slaves, he didn't call them slaves, he called them soldiers. He saw them as battle-hardened. He saw them as tested and tried. He saw them as a people who would rise up as conquerors and take the land that he had set before them. Oh, can I tell you, church, it's time to stop being mice and start being men. I'm looking for some men and women of conviction who will grow a spiritual backbone, who will say it doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says, what the Congress says, what the branches of our government say. We are going to stand on the word of God. We will not turn. We will not bow. We will not bend. But we will declare, thus saith the Lord. I'm looking for some men and women of courage today who will stand up and say, God sees something in me that others may not see. He sees what he created me to be. You see, I believe until we understand who we are in Christ, we will never live to the fulfillment of his promise on our life. We have to grasp who we are in Christ. If there's one thing that most Christians haven't grasped in the United States today And don't understand it's the key to great spiritual breakthroughs. It's who I am in Jesus Christ. I've come to tell you, you may say one thing about your neighbor, but God sees something else. And if I hear what God says and I see what God sees, I'm going to get behind him. And I'm going to say, you're a mighty man of God. You're a man of valor. You're a man of courage. You're a woman of faith. You're a woman of power. Stand up and be what God has called you to be. It's time to stop being mice and start being men. Look at the word of God. It says very clearly in John chapter 8, verse 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what Jesus said to you and I. So when you begin to read the word, understand God's blueprint, God's pattern for your life that's revealed through the word of God. And God has seen something in you and put something in you that others may not see, but it's revealed in your relationship, in your walk with him. As you follow him day by day, as you pursue him, he reveals what he's put in you. By the same token, if you don't understand the word, and if you don't receive the truth of the word, then you need to understand deception and false promises will fill your heart and fill your life. And when that happens, you live in bondage unnecessarily. So we have to understand who we are in Christ. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are bought. We are purchased with a great price. We have a new name. We have a new destiny. We have the hope of heaven. But more than that, we have the assurance that we will live victoriously for him each and every day on planet earth until we receive that eternal reward. Church isn't supposed to be a bunch of coward down folks afraid of their own shadows, but we are men and women of God. Listen, anytime we accept anything less than that, we are denying the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because he came to redeem us. He came to set us free. He came to change us, to transform us. I've come to tell you this morning, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are worthy. So many in the church today, I'm just not worthy. Oh, if you're under the blood, you're worthy. See, it's not about you, it's about him. And it's about the fact that he has covered you. He has cleansed you. You're a new creation in Jesus Christ. It's what God sees in you. And if you're under the blood, you're worthy. Stop believing that lie of the devil. Matter of fact, would you repeat this with me? I'm worthy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, one more time. I'm worthy. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
One more time. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Get it in your spirit. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. I'm worthy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing you have to understand to begin to see what God has put in you is that you're worthy by the blood of Jesus Christ. Folks, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter where you've been, where you've walked, what you've done. When you come to the cross, you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, it's not some just little thin coat that you can scrape off with your fingernail. But the Bible tells me he takes your sins and he erases them. He washes them away. He transforms you. He renews you. And he puts purpose and destiny in your heart and in your life. I'm worthy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Second thing you need to realize in order to understand what God sees in you is that you're greatly loved by the Father. He loves you with an undying, everlasting love. You are loved by the Father. And His love for you preceded you coming to Jesus Christ. So those of you in this room this morning who've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm talking to you right now. You say, I'm not worthy. You're right. You're not. But you can come to Jesus Christ. You can ask him to forgive you and cleanse you. And when you walk out of this place today, you can say, I'm worthy by the blood of Jesus Christ and I am loved by the Father. See, Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God commendeth, that word is also translated, demonstrated. God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much does God love you? Enough to give his own son for you before you ever knew you had a need of a savior. God loves you so very, very much. So many times we lack the fullness of God in our lives because we don't understand the love God has for us. Put Ephesians chapter 3 on the screen for me, if you would you please. Look at verses 17 through 19. Reading the scripture says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height of the mighty love of God. Oh, come on, folks, understand. You're grounded in the love of God. So you can understand and know the love of Christ which passes knowledge and you're filled with all the goodness of God. Now make that connection. To know the fullness of God in your life, you first must understand the love of God for you. In order to walk in the place that he's destined you to live, you first must understand his love for you. Can I tell you, God loves you more than he loves anything else in the universe. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. He loves us all the same. We're his children. He doesn't play favorites. And it doesn't matter who you are. He loves you today. He wants you to understand his great love for you. He wants you to walk, to bathe, to live in, to relish in the depths of his love for you and me. How deep is his love? It's so deep that there's nothing he won't do for you. It's so wide there's nothing he won't do to rescue you. It is so inexhaustible, it doesn't matter how many times you turn around and run, he's going to chase you, he's going to pursue you, he's going to bring you back to him because he loves you. That you may know and understand the depth of the love that God has for you. I'm justified, I'm worthy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I can walk into the fullness of God because I begin to understand how much he actually loves me. And then I can put that past behind me. 
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, this is what it says. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. And I love this phrase from the King James, purge your dead conscience. Oh, come on, there's a lot of you that are still living in yesterday. You're still carrying around a bag full of regrets. You're still allowing that lying devil to get right up in your ear and continue to lie to you. I've come to tell you, if you've been redeemed, he is behind you. He is under you. He doesn't have an audience with you. He has to come through the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He may be the accuser, but I know the one who silences the mouth of the accuser. And he says to me, I'm more than a conqueror. Come on, understand. He purges your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Stop beating yourself up. I can almost see the Hebrews back in Egypt all those years ago. Soldiers, we're not soldiers, we're slaves. We've been slaves for a generation. We don't know what other way. There is absolutely no hope and no help for us. Matter of fact, Moses, since you showed up, things have gotten worse. If you weren't here two weeks ago, you need to buy that tape because that was a good message. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. The Hebrews had to learn that lesson. But even though things may not look good on the surface, they had to understand God saw something in them that no one else could see. So I've come to tell you, quit beating yourself up. It doesn't matter. He came to purge your conscience from those dead works and to completely and totally liberate your mind. And to set you free to worship and to serve Him. You're loved by God. He came to set you free. To give you a clean conscience. To erase your past. And give you a reason to go on. See, when we don't realize who we are in Christ. And what God has done for us and promised to us. Then our faith is going to be crippled. We won't be able to stand in the attacks of the enemy. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says, And He has raised us up together and causes us to sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Do you understand where he's placed you? He hadn't placed you down here. He's placed you up here. Last week we talked about Ephesians chapter 6 and the power and the authority we have in him. Do you understand? He talked about we fight against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. But I've got news for you. According to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, I'm not under those things, but I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I'm above those things. I'm looking down on the enemy. And I know victory has already come. Come on, get it in your spirit, church. You are more than conquerors. Because he has positioned you to be so. Because of our position in Christ and where he has placed us, Ephesians 2, 6. Write it down and read it later. He put us in heavenly places. Because of where he positioned us, then we have authority over the enemy. Authority over sickness. Authority over disease. Authority over every foul spirit and demon from the pit of hell. We have authority in the name of Jesus. Oh, get it in your spirit. If you know who you are in Christ, you walk in his authority. It's again not you, but it's the power of Christ flowing through you that can stand in any circumstance and say, Devil, you're a liar. You're the father of lies. Get back to the pit from which you have come in the mighty name of Jesus. I was amazed when Yvonne's diagnosis came in with what God did in her and through her. I was a wreck. My wife's got cancer. That's a horrible word. We don't know what's going to happen. She just sat in the peace of God. And I began to watch and I began to realize God had already placed her 
in those heavenly places. And that diagnosis wasn't over her. That diagnosis wasn't in her. That diagnosis was under her through the power of Jesus' name. Oh, come on, I'm here to tell you that there's sickness in your body. It's not above Christ, it's below Christ. And it's time to declare, I have power and I have authority over every evil work of the enemy. Sickness and disease. Read it in Mark chapter 16. It says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. They're going to cast out demons. They're going to heal the sick. If they drink any deadly thing, it's not going to hurt them. What's, who, will, who will those signs follow? It says it follows those who believe. Believe what? Believe I'm the chosen of God. Believe I'm born of the blood of Jesus Christ. Believe I've got a destiny and a future. Believe I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Come on. We are more than conquerors. What does God see in you that nobody has seen yet? What has he put in you that he's wanting to pull out of you? Revelation chapter 5, I love these scriptures. Verses 9 and 10 says these words. And they said, this is a picture of heaven, by the way. Okay? Picture of heaven. They sung the new song saying, you are worthy to take the book. Open the seals thereof. You have redeemed us to God by the blood out of every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. Can I stop just a moment and tell you? That's what the church looks like. That's what the church looks like. It's not white, it's not black, it's not brown, it's not Hispanic, it's not Asian. It's every people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful I'm a part of a multi-ethnic, multicultural church, and I want to see more of it. Can you say amen? Amen. That's what the church is supposed to look like. Go on to the next slide, please. The next scripture, it goes on to say these words. And have made us unto God as kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Not the slide I wanted, so you hear it from Revelation chapter 5 verse 10. He's made us kings and priests, and will reign on the earth. You need to understand, God has a destiny for you. It doesn't matter what your husband said. It doesn't matter what your wife sees. It doesn't matter what your mama or your daddy said about you. I've come to tell you, the God of the universe, the creator of your being, sees something in you that nobody else can see. And if you will rise up in faith and begin to walk in that power and presentation, it's going to come out of you and people around you are going to be amazed. They couldn't believe it. Soldiers, those guys aren't soldiers, they're slaves. They don't know anything about soldiering. They've never been in formation. They don't understand battle strategy. They're not soldiers, they're slaves. That may be what they're saying about you, Christian. You don't even know what that word means. Believer, you're a failure. Are you kidding me? God use you? Not in this century. But I've got news for you. What God sees in you, he's going to pull out of you. When you determine he sees something that nobody else can see in me. And I'm going to pursue him. And I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to set my sights to receive everything he's already stored up for me. So God has something for me. If you don't feel like you can exercise your authority in Christ, then you will never walk to the fullness of his love and plan for your life. See, Satan works to try to convince you you're unworthy. But I'm worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, say it again. He convinced you you're unworthy, but I'm worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
He convinced you that you were unloved. But I was loved before I was ever born, before I ever knew I needed a Savior. He loved me enough to send his son and die at Calvary for me. I am loved. And when I know I'm loved, I know he's going to set me in heavenly places. I'm going to be in a position of authority. Authority over the forces of darkness when I understand what God has put in me and what God is seeing in me. Now hear me. When we deny that we're worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ because we're always talking bad about ourselves, when we deny we're loved because we're always acting like we're unloved, when we deny we live in authority because we are under the dominion of Satan and browbeaten by the evil one, we are denying the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not come and give his life on Calvary to have a bunch of mealy-mouthed Christians walking around with their hands folded and their heads bowed and afraid to say anything to anybody. Come on, I'm here to tell you, if you read history, the 11 disciples out of the 12, counting Paul, the 11 disciples all died for their faith. They were men of God. They understood, I'm worthy by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm loved by the Father. I've been seated in a place of authority. And it doesn't matter what the Romans say. It doesn't matter what the Greeks say. It doesn't matter what the the Asians say. I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ. Regardless of the cost, I'm going to stand for Him. We can do that when we understand what God sees in us. We talked about a few weeks ago. He's put everything in us that we need. For life and godliness. Everything we need to be successful, he's already deposited into our spirits. People read the story of Jesus putting the disciples in the boat and telling them to go across the lake while I pray a little while. And in the middle of the night, the storm was raging. And all of a sudden, these disciples who are familiar with the water see an image coming across the water towards them. You know what the first thing they think? Must be a ghost. Casper's loose and walking around. Isn't that just like us? We see something and we don't know what it is, so we jump to a wrong conclusion. Must be a ghost. Peter said, no, it may be the Lord. Hey, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And what did Jesus say? He said, come. And you read the story, Peter jumped out of the boat, and the Bible says he began to walk across the water. Now hear me. He wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the word of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, come. So when he stepped out of the boat, he was walking on that word of authority over the forces of nature. He was doing what shouldn't be done because he was walking on the word. So well, how does that apply to me? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Come on. It's Jesus Christ. And when you understand what he's put in you, you can walk on that word. You can walk over all forces of darkness. You can conquer everything the enemy throws at you. You can do things that are not possible when you walk on the word. When you understand what he's put in you, and he's pulling it out of you to reveal his grace, his mercy, his power. Yvonne and I have been here 18 months, a little over, almost 19 now, I guess. And so many times through that period, you know, y'all know we didn't want to pastor again. This is a God thing. It's not a Stephen Avon thing. We didn't want to pastor again. We were happy and content doing what God was asking us to do in that point in that time. But God opened the door and he never closed it, so here we are. 
But I've got news for you. There have been a lot of times that I've said, Lord, I'm done. I didn't sign up for this. I don't think I can do it. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm worn out. I'm tired of this in my ear all the time. God, just let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go. Has anybody ever felt that way? Am I the only one? Yeah, several of us, I think, probably. Let me go back. But you know what he spoke to me every time? He said, I didn't almost be betrayed. I didn't almost be falsely arrested. I didn't almost be beaten. I didn't almost hang on the cross. I didn't almost be buried in a borrowed grave. I didn't almost rise again from the dead. And he said, son, if I can do it, you can do it because I live in you. It's time to man up, put on your big boy pants and fight the enemy. Come on, church. You need to understand he didn't quit when he was almost there. He didn't give up when it got a little difficult. He didn't back away when somebody was in his face, but he dug down. He said, I'm going to pursue the will of God. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he's commanded me to do. And it doesn't matter who stands against me or what the result may be. I'm going to follow God. Come on, that's got to be a resolve. Remember as a kid growing up, I got whipped all the time. I know that's not popular anymore. I know that you modern parents don't spank your children. I get all that. Saw a post on Facebook this week about a timeout chair. I thought, yeah, good luck with that. I know I'm old school. Don't turn me in, all right? But I can remember when I was a little big kid, eight, nine, ten years old, and me and my mom would get crosswise, and she would get so ticked with me, and then she would say these words, you are the most stubborn kid I've ever seen in my whole life. You know, I've realized that down through the years, that trait has worked pretty well. Because there are times that all you're going to be able to do is say, I've done all to stand, and I'm going to stand. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to back up. God sees something in me that nobody else can see, and I'm going to stand and see him bring victory. Come on, church, get it in your spirit. He sees something in you, and you need to stand and not give up. What does 1 Peter 5, 8 say? It says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion seeketh whom he may devour. People are afraid of a roaring lion. But I got a revelation for you. I don't serve a roaring lion. I serve a conquering lion. I serve the lion of the tribe of Judah. If you've never read this, you ought to go read Hosea chapter 10, chapter 11, verse 10, because it says these words, my people will follow me when I roar like a lion. Oh, Satan may try, but he's just a bad imitation. I've come to tell you, I serve the roaring lion. His name is Jesus Christ. And when he roars, the enemy has to flee. The enemy has to flee. There is victory. When we follow the line of the tribe of Judah. I love it. God sees something in you that other people don't see. Take a moment. Think about it. What does God see in me that no one else can see? What has he put in me that no one else can see? I'm here to tell you. He's raising up men and women of God. He's raising up courage and faith and dynamic power through the Holy Ghost. 
It's time that when a mosquito bites you, he flies away singing, there's power in the blood. Come on. Know what God has put in you. Know what God has put in you. He's put something in you. Now let me get back to our outline. God always favors his people. You need to remember that it's illustrated in Exodus chapter 7 and then right on through chapter 12. He always favors his people. I'm going to read these scriptures very quickly. What is God's favor? God's favor is when people say no and circumstances say no, God screams yes. God screams yes. That's the favor of God. Exodus chapter 8 verses 22 and 23. When it happens... I'll set Goshen where my people live aside as a sanctuary. No flies in Goshen. I'll make a sharp distinction between your people and mine. God always favors his people. Read it in Exodus 9, 4. God will draw a sharp line between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. And not one animal that belongs to the Israelites will die. God always favors his people. Exodus 10, 23. Nobody could see anybody. For three days, no one could as much as move except the Israelites. They had light where they were living. Oh, let me tell you, when it's dark out there, it's light in here. He is the light of the world. Exodus chapter 11, verse 7. But against the Israelites, man, woman, or animal, there won't be so much as a dog's bark. So that you'll know that God makes a clear distinction between Egypt and Israel. Exodus 12, 13, and when I see the blood, oh, come on, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no disaster will touch you. God always favors his people because we understand who we are in him. He always favors his people. I love Exodus chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. It says, God said to Moses, I'm going to hit Pharaoh in Egypt one final time, and then he'll let you go. When it releases you, that'll be the end of Egypt for you. Oh, somebody needs to get that word this morning. What you've been fighting against, what you've been struggling with, what you've been carrying around, God has come to this room this morning to tell you he's going to hit that problem one last time this morning, and that's going to be the end of it. That's going to be the end of it. I declare sickness and disease, you are defeated in Jesus' name. Bondages, you are broken in Jesus' name. Sin, you are delivered from in Jesus' name. He said, one final time. And that's going to be enough. So here's what you do. Tell the people to ask each man from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for things made of silver and gold. And I love this last verse. God saw to it that the Egyptians liked the people. Can you imagine that? Can you? And listen to the next phrase. Also, Moses was greatly admired by the Egyptians and a respected public figure among both Pharaoh's servants and the people at large. Do you understand what they've just been through? They've been through nine plagues. It's been absolute hell on earth. But the Bible says they respected and admired Moses. There's only one reason why they would, because they recognized something in him that Pharaoh couldn't see. They saw something in him that the king couldn't see. They saw the favor of God. And I've come to tell you today, God can do that for you as well. He can cause people to like you and circumstances to turn for you because you're his child. See, God deals with us 
Not on the basis of what people see, but on the basis of what he sees. And if we really get this truth in our mind this morning, if we really begin to understand I'm worthy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm loved, and he loved me before he ever knew me. And if we begin to understand that position of authority he has placed us in, to walk in it, we also have to understand exactly who he is. To share with you exactly who he is, I brought in Priscilla Shire from the war room. I want you to watch this video. Go ahead and play it right now as she tells us who he really is. When you feel like you can't handle the task at hand and you ask yourself, girl, who's your daddy? Come on now. Because I remember when Jerry said spirit. that to me and I, I got a good look at him, I felt secure, I felt taken care of, not because of me, but because of who I belong to. And what if when you got a good look at your God, remembering who he is and that you belong to him, Listen, I think until the Lord uh, stops me from taking platforms and ministering to women, I will say this until the day that I die, reminding myself as I do when I am quietly alone and I look myself in the mirror and say, girl, who's your daddy? You know what I tell myself? I tell myself, he is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all time. He always was, always is, always will be unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised but brought healing. He was pierced but eased pain. He was persecuted but brought freedom. He was dead and brings life. He is risen to bring power and he reigns to bring peace. The world can't understand him. Armies can't defeat him. Schools can't explain him. And leaders, they can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. Nero couldn't crush him. The new age cannot replace him. And Oprah cannot explain him away. Yes. She can't. She can't do it. You remind yourself that he is light, he is love, he is longevity, and he is the Lord. He is goodness and kindness and faithfulness, and he is God. He is holy and righteous and powerful and pure. His ways are right, his word eternal, his will unchanging, and his mind is on us. He's our savior, our guide, our peace, our joy, our comfort, our Lord, and he rules our lives. Hallelujah. I serve him because his bond is love, his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and his goal for us is abundant life. I follow him because he's the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ancient of days, the ruler of rulers, the leader of all leaders. His goal is a relationship with me. He'll never leave you, never forsake you, never mislead you, never forget you, never overlook you, and never cancel your appointment in his appointment book. Never. When you fall, he'll lift you up. When you fail, he'll forgive you. When you're weak, he's strong. When you're lost, he's your way. When you're afraid, he's your courage. When you stumble, he will steady you. When you're hurt, he's going to heal you. When he's broken, when you're broken, he will mend you. When you're blind, he will lead you. When you're hungry, he will feed you. When you face trials, he's with you. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he will comfort me. When I face loss, he will provide for me. And when we face death, he will carry us all home to meet him. He is everything. For everybody, everywhere, every time, and in every way. He is your God, and that, sisters, is who you belong to. Hallelujah. I know who I am because of who He is. Because of who He is. Stand your feet with me. 
As you're standing, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to talk to you for just a moment. You're in this room this morning. And every word that has been said has been an arrow driving through your heart. Today you know and understand, I need a Savior whose name is Jesus. He has a plan for me, and I want to follow Him. That's you this morning. The Holy Spirit's been talking to you since we began this service, convincing you that you need a Savior. Showing you that you can't save yourself. That you can only be worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ. But you can be worthy because God loves you so much. And you can live in authority because of who He is. So this morning, I'm going to ask you, be honest with God. You know you need a Savior. You know you need Jesus. Right where you stand, raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. You just described me. I need Jesus in my heart and in my life. Raise your hand, slip it up, hold it there. Yes, others, come on. God's talking to you. You need Jesus. Slip up your hand and hold it there until I see it and acknowledge it. God's talking to you. He's dealing with you. Anyone else, you'll raise your hand and say, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Yes, thank you, sir and ma'am. I see those hands. Anyone else? Slip up your hand and say, that's me. You'll join these four. Yes, I see that hand, ma'am. Thank you very, very much. Someone else. Someone else says, oh, wait just another moment. I don't want you to miss your opportunity. This is your chance. Settle things with God. Get your heart right. Walk out a changed person. Anyone else? So wait just a moment. Go raise your hands with these who've already raised theirs. That's me. Across this room this morning, I want you to pray this prayer with me. We're doing things a bit different this morning. Everybody in this room, pray this prayer. Those of you who raised your hand, pray it. Believing that Jesus Christ is hearing and answering you as you pray this prayer. And in just a moment, I'll give you an opportunity to move forward. Pray with me, everybody across the room. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to take my sin away. Make me a new person. Take away the old and the evil. And bring in the new and the good. I accept you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name. Those of you who raised your hand and prayed that prayer, come on, church, welcome them into the family of God. God bless you. We love you. We are so glad you came to church this morning. And God brought life to you today. Ushers, would you come this morning, please? We're receiving the elements of communion. You don't need to be a member of this church. You just need to be born again to take communion with us. Please, gentlemen, begin to distribute those elements. Everyone hold the elements until everyone has been served. Pastor Brittany, come and sing that beautiful song. Sing it out. Let's talk about being covered this morning. Thank you for listening to audio from Christian Heritage Church located in Tallahassee, Florida. Feel free to give copies of this message to others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Christian Heritage Church, please visit us online at chctoday.com.